it doesn't seem possible that we're down to two. Yeah. This was a quick season, I feel like. I mean, I I feel like there were so many different storylines. There were so many different aspects of this season. I Just, I mean, it feels like three weeks ago we were sitting down here recording our season opening podcast. And right. now we are really to our season wrap-up podcast. Um, like we said last week, uh, we're not going to quite dive into full Super Bowl mode this week. There will be plenty of time, plenty of time for that talk next week. But what we wanted to do this week, obviously we'll touch on championship week. We'll recap those. Um, But we kind of wanted to put a bow on the NFL season minus the Super Bowl from our standpoint. We're going to go through some award winners. We're going to go through some... You know, maybe a best moment or two, some storylines from the season, um, and just kind of put a bow on the season for everyone, not the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. Um, looking back on Championship Week, I- I'm going to say something that might be unpopular, but it kind of echoes what I said last week. A little disappointed in the games. I would say 50% of that. I'm even, now that, you know, we've had time to digest what the Chiefs-Bengals game was, I'm even a little disappointed in that one. I mean, we'll get into that first. But, obviously, if you look at the NFC Championship game, the storyline is there was no quarterback. Wild. I just, I've never seen anything like it. I have. Well, yeah, it's called the Bears franchise the last 15 years. No, but in the NFC Championship game, the last time there were quarterbacks cycled through like this one. Was the Bears. Was the Bears when they (laughs) went through Cutler, then Collins. Luckily, the Bears had emergency quarterback Caleb Haney available that day. Yep. Probably something that San Francisco kind of wished that they had, that option. Yeah. Um, When it comes to an emergency quarterback in a playoff game, if you go to the emergency quarterback, the third string quarterback, you cannot go back to two or one. So, like, they're on the roster, but they're not on the roster. They're not part of the 53. And that's a weird thing for me to digest, but... Um. Yeah, the whole situation with Purdy and then Johnson coming in. I mean, really, even if Johnson was able to stay in the football game, I don't think it would have made any difference. Um, just not prepared, right? You know, you you think you're gonna have Purdy for this football game? Purdy's taking all of the snaps in practice. Now all of a sudden you're without him. You go to Johnson. He gets hurt. You are forced. To make a decision, <clears throat> either roll with a quarterback that cannot throw, or roll with Wildcat Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and I think like that's the biggest. That was the biggest surprise to me was you. You and I were texting during the game. Why not at least put CMC right in the Wildcat? Right, I, at, at least, least 
to have a, a threat of a throw a, of something. Because with Purdy in the game that second half, you knew all it was was turn around, hand the ball off. Turn around, hand the ball off. And then if they did throw the ball... It was a screen. It was a screen. Like, there was no risk of that ball ever going... Whew, sorry, long day. Going more <laughs> than five yards downfield. Yeah. No, I'm... I was very surprised, too. Um, just... Man... Just gut punch. A gut punch for 49ers. The 49er fans that made the trip to Philly, man. You dropped two grand or so on on tickets and travel and everything. And then that's what you get to see. That is why everyone always asks me, Christian, Bears make it to the Super Bowl. You going? Heck no. Because there's a 50% chance that I'm going to be wasting a lot of money for nothing. Yeah. and there's Actually, all- probably a 75% <laughs> chance. And there's always that idea of... You like what could go wrong. Right, exactly. Like and, and I think that Sunday was an example of pretty much everything that could go wrong for the 49ers <clears throat> went wrong. Now, I don't want to take away from the Eagles. Because... The, the Niners had a prolific rushing attack. Right. There were several games this year where the 49ers simply just ran the ball, and that's all they had to do. The Eagles still came to play. It wasn't just like, oh, well, you know, the 49ers just... Ru-. I, there was... As much as the 49ers could control, the 49ers played hard, and the Eagles, they played well. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they played perfect. They didn't play as well as they did against the Giants a week before. But again, in that situation, it would have been very easy for an Eagles team to get complacent. And they they didn't. They took care of business. They kept people healthy. And if you look, personally, I think that they're playing the better football out and, of the two. And I think they're going into the Super Bowl healthier than Kansas oh, City. I, a thousand percent. You know. And you, you look at this Eagles team. And I I go back to when they are at their best. On the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Which we only saw glimpses of on Saturday, on Sunday. When they are at their best. <clears throat> I do not think there's a single team in the NFL who can beat them. Yeah. I and, think, and that includes any of the big three from the AFC. Right. I, I think... The Eagles are playing their best football at the right time. And, um, again, you look at this game, and it's just... Looking at the stats, Josh, it just... If you would have told me that the San Francisco 49ers were going to throw for a total of 97 yards in the football game... Now, obviously, there were some circumstances, you know, that caused that to happen. But, like, just... If you're a football fan, it was disappointing because yeah. you wanted to see a good football game. I really thought the 49ers had an opportunity to at least keep this game close. I did not think they were going to win with Brock Purdy as a quarterback playing against that Eagles defense on the road in an NFC Championship game. I thought the game was bigger for him than what it would, you know, what it was more than what it was said, but I'm I'm disappointed, happy for the Eagles. Give it up for Jalen Hurts. Silencing the haters, getting to a Super Bowl, you know, I very, very good things coming for Philadelphia. Yeah, it, and I think they did what they had to do 
to win the football game. It, it, this wasn't a, I mean, a 21-7, teams on their third-string quarterback. Okay, that's let's protect the lead, protect the football, <laughs> slow this thing down, yep. go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Like, th- that's what this turned into yep. in the second half. Um, moving then to the AFC. Because I, this is the game that everyone is talking about. Uh, it's rigged. It's it's everything else. Um, there were a lot of questionable calls in this th- football okay, game. Correct. Th- there were a lot of questionable calls in this football game. Like that that can't be avoided. However, where I'm going to go to is quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Sacked five times. Yep. Two picks. The question that we had was can that sort of makeshift offensive line hold up? Could they protect the football? Well, the answer that we got on Sunday was no. And I don't take all the calls, whatever. Their inability to take care of the football cost them, and their inability, and really the the Chiefs pass rush got home all day. Yeah, throws were rushed, and and I Burrow did not play. We knew he was going to have to play perfect. He didn't. They did not do enough to win. I think he just looked uncomfortable in the pocket. The whole he, game. He just was never able to get in a rhythm because of that offensive line. They were frustrating him. They were getting to him before he even got to his third drop step. Uh, they. It was just a really big disappointment um, from Cincinnati. Now, Josh, we talked about this. What the... Cincinnati mayor added to this football game. At the end of the game, oh, it was clear that they knew what he said. Yeah, and you don't need to give this team... Do not give them bulletin board material. Do not add fuel to the fire. No. They did that, and again, for those of you that do not know, the mayor said that there needs to be a, a test done to make sure that Joe Burrow is in fact Patrick Mahomes' father. You know, who I'm not gonna say um, the phrase because it sounds too much like a rival that comes, you know, to mind yeah. on Saturday for Correct. a certain college basketball team. Yes. It's one of those things where you know, people always tell athletes stick to sports. Yep. Like with okay, hey, politicians stick to politics. Like you don't under you are not the man in the arena on this. And if there's a group of men who you don't want to get angry, the Kansas <laughs> City Chiefs are probably pretty high up on that list because they have the championship pedigree. They know what it takes to win. They've been there before. <clears throat> and then you want to come in and just all of a sudden... And for the whole week, the talk of Burrowhead, the talk of all this... 
Right. There is a very fine line between playing with confidence and overconfidence. And just being stupid. And I feel like the the Bengals weren't able to balance that. But again, that's a young team for it. It's a young team. They're going to learn from that. But I, I think, and obviously, you look, just mistakes that were so costly for the Bengals. Whether that was, you know, the, the push out of bounds, whether that was Burroughs two picks. I you can say calls, calls, calls all you want to, but at the end of the day, if you're sitting there with two picks and a very caught again, if they don't push Patrick Mahomes as he's running out of bounds, guess what? That game goes to overtime. Period. It just does. Because Butker did not have 60 yards in his leg Sunday night. That no. ball was not going 60 yards. No. And that's what that field goal would have been. It would have been a 57-yard <laughs> field goal. Instead, it's 45 to chip shot field goal for the win. That That's where that game was decided. Not on the missed holds. Not on the block in the backs. You can talk about stuff about that all you want to. At the end of the day, the Chiefs were disciplined at the end of the game, and the Bengals were not. Now, one of the things that I thought about this football game, Mahomes was playing on a bad ankle. Yep. What was the one thing Cincinnati did not do for the entirety of that football game? They didn't really flush him at all. They didn't get him get any pressure on him. They did not force him outside of the pocket, put pressure. And the couple times that he did, he came up limping. Yeah. If you're the if you're the Bengals, you I understand you don't want to blitz, blitz, blitz and have Mahomes beat you over the top. However, you knew you were gonna have to take some chances to win this football game on the defensive side of the ball. Put pressure on him. Force him to use that bad ankle. See what he's got. And I don't really think they made him make those decisions. I think Mahomes made a couple decisions to get outside the pocket on his own. Yeah. Well, he came it, up limp. You look, the Bengals' defense as a whole only had four tackles for losses the whole day. Like, that's just not good enough. Mahomes was only hit a total of five times. Like... And then you counteract that, the Chiefs hit Burrow 12 times. So you're looking double the amount of pressure. Like, there's your ball game right there, folks. The inability for the Chiefs to get any, or the Bengals, to get any pressure in on Patrick Mahomes. Yep, and that, to me, big disappointment. You knew that you had to do that. You knew that you had to get some pressure on him, test that ankle out, see what he can do. You know, now he wins and now he gets two weeks. Yeah, you get two weeks to get healthy. And the other thing, man, like the Chiefs were never forced to run the ball. No. Nope. They, they only have 42 yards of rushing offense. <coughs> you know, Mahomes has 326 yards passing, only 42 yards rushing. I, the Chiefs were able to be one dimensional. I mean, MVS with 116 yards on only six catches. I mean, he just burned them down the field constantly. Yeah. Like, that. that's all they... I mean, over the top. Now, I will say overall, fine, fine game. 
But I don't feel like either team played at their best, which is why I'm saying it was a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've... Because, I mean, you look at Burrow, 26 of 41 with two picks. That's not Joe Burrow even from the Buffalo, from, from the week before. Right. Like, that's not who he was. Right. And I don't feel like we saw the best version of the Chiefs either. And so I, that's why I sit here and I'm just like, ah, it, it was a tad bit disappointing for me for both of these games. Like, I don't feel either any of these four teams really put their best foot forward. Right. Now, could that be because the competition level is so equal across the board? Yeah. Possibly. But if I'm Kansas City, man, I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily feel good. Obviously, I feel good about going to the Super Bowl. But I don't feel like I played my best football. Right. I would. Which may be okay. You say, hey, we didn't play our best. We're still able to advance. Great. Yeah. Fair that's, enough. That's the name of the game right now. Correct. It's surviving advance. But if this is what the Chiefs come out and play like against the Eagles, they're going to be in trouble. Oh. Because that Eagles front seven will get constant pressure. Yep. On Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Constant pressure. And if you flash back to the last Super Bowl the Chiefs played in, why were the Bucs able to be so successful against the Chiefs? Because a somewhat hurt Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to move. Mahomes was a little hurt. They forced him out of the pocket. He couldn't move as well. I hate to say it. It's almost lining up. It's almost lining up exact. Now, he has two weeks. And if they were able to get that man able to play on one week, I obviously it's going to be warmer. It's going to be inside. So it's going to be better conditions for that high ankle sprain. Right. However, I just worry that ah, this is lining up a little too familiar if I'm a Chiefs fan. Like this is looking a little bit too much like that 2020 Super Bowl. Um, and we know how that ended up. I, I think that's about fair. Yeah. For, I mean, obviously, so next week what we're going to do is we're going to have the full breakdown. We're going to go through the uh, the prop bets yep. that are always fun. We'll talk like the economics of the Super Bowl, which these ticket prices. <laughs> My good. Like these make the LA prices look low. And, right. And that's saying something. Um, so we'll get into all of that next week. We'll do a full breakdown of you know the Super Bowl of I the prop bets are awesome. Oh, yeah, I, I love them. They're so fun. <coughs> uh, maybe a little preview of our get together that you know that we're having. Yep. Um, what second straight Super Bowl? Yep. That we've watched together three out of the last four. Yeah. I think the only one we didn't was COVID year. I thought we did it in my apartment. Wasn't no, it? I thought that was the year before. I thought the first Super Bowl, right after Avery was born, I don't think we watched together. Oh, probably not. I, no. I don't think we did. No. Um, so we'll, we'll break down uh, Super Bowl in full earnest next week. Again, you, two weeks right. of Super Bowl talk. Um, that obviously can get a little old. Um, so what we're going to do, kind of go through our end of year. Um Man, I got... Hold on. We got to have a 30-second timeout. This 30-second timeout is brought to you by... Spicy water. Spicy water. Sprite.
Eat like okay. A, eat like a king that's on a budget. Yeah, whopper, whopper, whopper. <laughs> did, did you see that whole Andy Reid thing with that? Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um. Okay. So overall, this year of football, a little bit crazy. Yep. At points. Um. I feel like you had a bunch of storylines throughout the year, <clears throat> whether that was resurgence of some teams. Like I look, the Dolphins were a huge storyline. Especially the first half of the year. Obviously, from my vantage point, the Packers were a train wreck the first 12 weeks. I think it's very safe to right. say it. Four and eight. Um, so, so you had lots of different Moving pieces. pieces. Right. It wasn't a year where... I mean, the, the teams who ended up playing... Well, really, and even the Bengals. The Bengals started 0-2. Right. You know, So you look at that point, and even then, beginning of the year, you're like, wow, was this a flash in the pan? And then they kind of came back. Yeah. The, the, the final four teams that we had, I think throughout the whole year, minus maybe week one, where Trey Lance lost to Justin Fields... Those were four of the better teams, right? And really, the AFC you had the lat, you had the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs, and we kind of said, right? Those, well, some of us said at the beginning of the year that those were going to be your three. Some of us said that the Chiefs were going to have a down year, that Patrick Mahomes was going to have a bad year. Yeah. And now they're in the Super Bowl. It's okay. Yeah. It happens. I mean, that that might have been the worst take <laughs> of the pod for the year right there. I mean, it, you're playing for a Super Bowl. So, yeah, that was a uh, little down year. Yeah. So, wrong So, we're, we're going to look. We're just going to go through some of our award winners. Now, listen, folks. What Christian and I might value in, say, an MVP in a coach of the year might not be what everyone else values. Like I, For me, when I look at an MVP or when I look at a coach of the year, I don't necessarily look at results. I look at, okay, who did the most with the least for coach of the year. I look at, okay, what is the definition of most valuable? Because so often I feel like the MVP goes to the best player on the best team. And I don't necessarily believe that that's what the MVP is. So, first question, where do you want to start? We could start at MVP, work our way down. All right, Christian, who's your MVP? Well, my MVP is Jalen Hurts. And the reason why is because you saw that, yes, that offense was decent, with Gardner Minshew, right? They were able to put up points. However, what Jalen Hurts provides for that Eagles offense, his ability to run the football, his ability to throw the football on point down the field, uh, make off-script plays, make off-script throws, is the reason why this team is where they are. I understand they have a fantastic defense. I understand they have a fantastic secondary. However, Jalen Hurts is the motor that gets this team running. You take that motor away. If you have Gardner Minshew playing in these playoffs, I think it's a completely different story. 
Jalen Hurts is my MVP. So mine, for MVP, mine is going to be very stereotypical. Mine is Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think if you look at the guy, career high, 5,250 yards, 41 touchdowns. Okay? 358 rushing yards. He set an NFL record for total offense. 5,614 yards. And on top of all of this, he's doing this all because everyone said, and rightfully so, what they say, well, there's no more Tyreek Hill. So what is he actually going? Okay. And Patrick Mahomes was like, uh, I'm going to go out and set NFL records. I To me, th- there is no more of an MVP. I think the two guys who are playing in the Super Bowl, those quarterbacks are the only guys who should be considered this year. Not not very often when I'm like a just two-horse race. Get it, but these are the two most valuable players, period, across the board. And it really, really shouldn't even be close. Yeah, I agree. But no, I, I hate to say no one else should even get a vote. But guess what? No one else should really get a vote. Right. Is that fair? Yep, I agree. Okay. Okay. Uh, coach of the year or defensive player of the year? Uh, let's go defensive player. Of the okay, year. let's go. Um, I'm going with Nick Bosa. I just – I think that his year on San Francisco was phenomenal. Uh, I think that without him, that defense is not as dynamic because as you saw – and I, you know, I make these – Comparisons to Bears teams, but like when the Bears defense is good, is when yeah, Khalil Mack was good, but he frees things up for your other guys, yes, he does. his other playmate, those other playmakers on defense because you have to account for Khalil Mack, you have to chip, you have to double team. That frees up space for other guys to have success. That's what makes a good defense. A guy like Nick Bosa. That is why he's my defensive player. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same guy. I You look at this. He had... His stats are just... Like, if you read this... They're kind of stupid. Led the NFL in sacks. Led the NFL in QB hits. Second in tackles for loss. Four knockdown passes. Forced three fumbles. I, those numbers just jump off the page at you... And he was the anchor on the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. And here's the thing of the weekend. Um, his brother was dumber than the uh, Mahomes' brother yeah. in the football game. I don't know if you saw the what, like, what Joey Bosa was saying and doing. Uh, and the whole thing was just, just like, clown stuff. Like, you're a professional. I know you're there having fun. You probably had a couple beers. Like, okay. Fine. But. But. And here's the thing. So if you combine this year, 62 total tackles, 49 of those solos, 18 and a half sacks. I just – it's just stuff that he just – he dominates every single – and he is the type of guy that offenses run away from. Like whatever side Joey's on – or Nick's on, you're going to run to the other side. Right, absolutely. And to still put up these numbers is absolutely insane. Yep. I just, okay. Yep, I feel like that should be a a unanimous decision. Correct. Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year. 
Offensive Player of the Year. I'm going to throw in a little rule for us here. Your Offensive Player of the Year cannot be your MVP. Yep, and I, I, I have a different. Um, for me, so many people are going to go one way. So many people are going to go Justin Jefferson on this. I'm not. I, I, I am going Justin Jefferson. Okay. And that's fine. For me, watching him get shut down the way he did in the games that mattered the most, just it, it kind of pushes me the wrong way. For me, uh, my, my offensive play of the year is going to be Tyreek Hill. Um, I it just again for me a lot of it goes back to I'm not going to sit here and have you essentially get shut down in every single game that matters for your team and then get to win this award. I you look at Tyreek Hill, seventeen hundred yards. Seven touchdowns. I again, the, the touchdowns is where it probably hurts Tyreek the most. Um, but I think you also throw in uh, how many times was Jalen Waddle then going to? I, you look right. at that. I there were so many other options, and he still puts up <laughs> seventeen hundred yards on that offense. Um, so I, I'm going with Tyreek Hill. I mainly. Because you can't get essentially shut down in two out of your last three games. Now, to me, does that have to do with the player or does that have to do with scheme? Does that have to do with how plays are drawn up? How you're like, if you're an offensive coordinator or you're a head coach, all right, stop every. We got to find a way to get Justin Jefferson the football. Just like how, yeah. The uh, Bengals were double teaming Travis Kelsey. Kansas City still found a way to get him the football. You know, and just like Kansas City was double teaming Jamar Chase, Cincinnati found a way to get Jamar Chase the football. I think it has to do with more of scheming. Now, however, I do think Justin Jefferson became a hothead in those games. The Giants game got very. Mad. The Packers game, very mad. However, 1,800 yards, eight touchdowns, only one more than Tyree Kill. Justin Jefferson really didn't score that many touchdowns. Um, but man, he had some games. He did. And so, you know, I, and like 223 receiving against yards Detroit. against Detroit. You got 184 against the Packers. You got 193 against Buffalo. You know, I, but I also look. 48 against Philadelphia, 14 against Detroit, 33 against Dallas, 45 against the Jets, 15 against the Packers, and then only 47 against the Giants. Like, hey, you missed one. 38 against the Bears. Not okay, but he only played like half. Hey, hey. Okay, so I just I I don't know. I look at that, and it's fair. Like. I have no qualms with anyone who would say that Justin Jefferson is the Offensive Player of the Year. For me, and it might be because I hate the team that he plays for, very well might be, 
just to me, I'm not going to award guys who can't deliver in the clutch. And to me, Justin Jefferson did not deliver in the clutch. Uh, let's go our defensive rookie of the year. Okay. Sauce Gardner for me. Yep, I'm with you 100%. I, I mean, there, he was a guy who... I really honestly and truly um, came into the league and immediately made an impact. Immediately was the guy who his team put on the other team's one. You don't see that in today's NFL. He was a guy who, and like, listen, let's go with, with the Packer game as a perfect example. Carried that little edge. Right. He had a little edge to him. Wearing the cheese head as he's running off Lambeau. Um, I, he played with a passion. He played with a fire. However, he also stayed in control. Right. He was a very mature rookie. And yep. that I just... There's only one stat that matters here. The man has a beat-up sauce named after him. Give him <laughs> the crown... The man has his beat up sauce. He is the d- defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, he only gave up a sixty-two point seven passer rating in coverage. Yeah, I, he, that and again as a rookie, and he's playing in the AFC East, folks. Which, like, people want to kind of listen. That means he had to go up against Josh Allen twice. <coughs> that means he had to go up against that Dolphins defense twice. You're looking at four games right there. That you should have gotten cooked. Right. And he didn't. And then you throw on, I know they play the Packers. So you're playing Josh Allen twice. You're playing that Dolphins defense twice, or offense twice. You're playing Aaron. Like, they played a tough schedule, and he was just, he was the one constant for them on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Um, my offensive rookie of the year uh, is not Brock Purdy. It could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at one guy for me, and that's Kenneth Walker in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I, the Seattle Seahawks story this year was fantastic. Right. Um, but to me, he was explosive. He carried, and I think that Kenneth Walker is a huge reason why Geno was as successful as he was this year. Yep. Because Walker kind of gave a little bit more of a balance effect to that Seahawks offense so that they didn't have to be so one-dimensional like they were the last couple of years under Russ. Um, I think that he is a staple running back for them now. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take care, or, uh, Kenneth Walker for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Brock Purdy. <laughs> Um, but I also easily, I think if you go whole body of work, Kenneth Walker is your offensive rookie of the year. However, what Brock Purdy did yeah. and the situation I, that he was in, yeah. I do not think that San Francisco would have made the NFC Championship game if Josh or if Johnson was the quarterback. I just. I think Brock Purdy earned it. I think Brock Purdy is your offensive player of the year, it, offensive rookie player of the year. But if Kenneth Walker wins it, 
I'm understanding of that as well. Yeah. Because the year that he had as a rookie running back, it was fantastic. And I think you look at a guy too, like Garrett Wilson from the Jets, who I you look the people throwing him footballs this year were Zach Wilson, Joey Flacco, Mike White, and Chris Strevler. Like if you get this guy an actual quarterback. Who knows what sort of numbers he can yep, put up? Absolutely. But again, for me, just that stalwart the whole year um, of Kenneth Walker, I, to me, is enough for my offensive rookie of the year. Um, my comeback play of the year, man, and I don't know. I think you and I might be the same page on this. Everyone wrote me off, yes. but I didn't write back. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. How is it? How is that answer not Geno Smith? Yes. It's it's Geno Smith. Geno Smith is the comeback player of the year. What he did, everyone did. We wrote him off, Josh. You and That's I sat here correct. and our opening podcast and said that the Seattle Seahawks were dead. They're yeah. dead. Like they were not even in a conversation to make the playoffs. And then this team, man, just like the complete turn of that NFC West. Like, we had the Rams, you know, hey, this is a team. Defending Super Bowl champion. Go from literal best to second to worst in the division. We had the Cardinals. You know, hey, yep. Murray's putting it together. He's, he, when D-Hop comes back, awful. Seattle did not give up. No. They, now, Geno Smith has played himself into a realistic position to be the starting quarterback in Seattle. Or... Somewhere else. Right. And I mean, you look for Geno. This was a situation where a team picked by most, including us, to finish last into the playoffs. Yep. Gave the 49ers a ball game. Yep. Right. You know, so again, like, I don't know who else this could be. I mean, I guess you could maybe make an argument for CMC coming back after the injuries. I fine. But the whole world said that Gino was done. Yep. The whole world. And he simply just took a team to the playoffs. Like, that's all he did. Him, my offensive rookie of the year, Kenneth Walker, they, they simply won this year. That's all they did. Yep. Um, so, huge kudos to Gino Smith. Yes. Your moment of the year. Oh, we're going coach of the year yet? Oh, I forgot our coy. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's all good. Uh, co- coach of the year. Mine's Doug Peterson. Here's yeah. why. What he did with in Jacksonville. L- literal dumpster fire last year. With the Urban Meyer situation. With the digression of number one overall pick. Um, wow. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Hello. Wake up. <laughs> with the digression of Lawrence and now what he was able to do this year. With the team finishing first in the in the conference, which, by the way, one of the the points that we didn't talk about was just the absolute three sixty of the season for the Colts. We yep. thought that Matt Ryan was going to be a fantastic fit in Indianapolis; that everything was going to work out. Man, what a dumpster fire season! Indianapolis had the season this year that the Jacksonville Jaguars had last season, yes. outside of a coach getting a lap dance from a random girl at his own restaurant with his wife's picture on the wall. <sighs> wow. Yeah. But mine's Doug Peterson, the job he did, getting Jacksonville not only in the playoffs, but that comeback win 
against a Chargers team that could have been dangerous. I would not have been any sort of surprised if we didn't have Chargers Chiefs. Yeah. Do okay. So honest in the question AFC here Championship. for you. Yeah. Not just did he turn around that? Did he save football in Duval County? Absolutely. Hundred percent. Because I think if you're looking at that franchise, who I mean, besides the Mark Brunel era, has really never had success. Right. If you would have had another just abysmal year, mm-hmm. even even if you get rid of the off the field stuff, right. This is what if I, you don't win, yeah. You lose that fan base, and not only that. Then all of a sudden, you're, there's questions surrounding your quarterback. Yep. Okay, if Lawrence doesn't have the season he has this year, and there's questions surrounding your quarterback, now all of a sudden you're back to square one, right? And now you don't know if you have the quarterback in your future. You don't know if you have your coach. You are questioning everything. And right now, Jacksonville, to me, is in a fantastic position to run that division for the next two to three seasons. For me, I think you look... Obviously, I agree with you that Peterson's name has to be up there. I think Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Yeah. Strictly for keeping the train on the tracks this year. Because you look... I mean, they they won that division on a third-string quarterback. You lose Trey Lance, then okay, fine. We have Jimmy G. Like, we knew Jimmy G could get the job done. Well, now we've lost Jimmy G. They're key. They kept all the noise out. He kept the train on the tracks there. Right. Um, Doug Peterson, for sure. I mean, how can you not? Nick Sirianni in Philly, how can you not go there? For me, it's Brian Dable with the Giants. Yeah. I, I think kind of the same sort of thing that you're saying about Peterson in Jacksonville. New York was ready to just write off everything that was Giants football. I mean, you had... You know, Daniel Jones is our guy. He's the answer to us. And then really for first couple years, I, I Daniel Jones was no. Right. It was right. And now all of a sudden you're looking at Daniel Jones. Like, look at that. We talked last week. Look at the wide receiver core that Daniel Jones was throwing to. There's not a single guy on there who's a top 50 wide receiver in the NFL. Right. And now you're playing them into a contender role. So I, I look at Brian Dable. I look at, number one, he did it in New York. That's an impossible place to make that work. Um, so for me, Brian Dable of the Giants is my coach. Yeah. There. That's a great – yeah, I like that. Moment of the year. Okay. Um, I have a couple. Absolutely. Am I allowed to do this? Yes. Okay. Um, First off, my moment of the year was when the Bears beat the 49ers in week one. <laughs> uh, for me, as a so I'm do, doing my fan moments of the year first, okay? So my that was I, I'm I'm riding high, Josh. We beat the 49ers. <laughs> week one. We're one and oh, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Not very good after that. Um number two fan moment of the year. Houston Texans defeating the Indianapolis Colts. Week 18. Those, how sad. Like, favorite moment, week one, this team's going to the Super Bowl. Man, we are legit. Week 18, let's get that number one pick. Number one overall pick. Yeah. So, those, but my NFL moment of the year came in the Bills-Vikings game. That OT thriller with the ball being fumbled on the goal line. Not once, but twice. Causing it to go to overtime, 
and the Vikings to beat the Bills. That was one of the most exciting football games of the season for me. Like the back and forth, the up and down, the emotional roller coaster that you were on as a as a, a Minnesota Vikings fan. And if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan and you have not heard the radio call like of the end of that football game, but I think one of the best radio calls of the NFL season. Um, but man, that was a great, and I know we're not a big Vikings podcast, but to me, that was one of the greatest football games <laughs> of this NFL season. And it's one that r- just stuck with me. Um, so that to me was one of the moments of the year. So for me, um, I'm actually not, I didn't have any fan moments, uh, this year, for as a Packer fan, was agonizing. It was horrible. Um, the off season is looking at being the exact same way. <coughs> like honestly, Josh, like if you're a Packers fan, like are you just like can just. Joe, I texted my buddy Joe, and he's just like, you know what? Just tell me who my quarterback is next August. I don't want to hear anything. Yeah, I. so for me, it's just, for the first time this week, the Packers organization came out and said, we're ready to move on. Right. I Before, it had always been, no, the Packers want him back. The Packers want him back. Right. This was the first time that I think I think Rodgers is ready to go. Yeah. I think the Packers organization is ready to go. Whether that's retirement or whether that's a trade to Indianapolis, I don't know. I still think that Indy is a perfect fit for Aaron Rodgers. Um I think Jim Irsay is dumb enough to do it. I that's why I think it's a perfect fit. Um, but it's just been it's been terrible. I hated every single second of this football season. Um, for me, my moment of the year, we're going to flash to wild card weekend. 17-17 football game. Ravens are about to score to I mean it would have been 14 unanswered. Take a 24-17 lead. And Cincinnati's reeling. Then Sam Hubbard says, "Not so fast." Yeah, and it's it's the it's the total package of Sam Hubbard being from Cincinnati, scoring that touchdown for me, and again. The Justin Jefferson one-handed grab yeah. in Baltimore is up there. Um, in Buffalo. Or in Buffalo is yeah. up there. Yeah. The uh, – trying to think back. The Seahawks-Vegas walk-off touchdown is up there. I there's There were there's so many just – the 60-yard field goal to send the, the Vikings-Giants game – that one, I, there were so many great moments this year, but for me, for the total picture, the Sam Hubbard <laughs> running down the sidelines and going to the sideline, getting the oxygen, winning the game, um, is probably where I would. Yeah, I, I there's a, one more that we didn't talk about was 
when Jared Goff threw the ball like five, six yards and ended the season, that was thanks, buddy. That was a pretty good moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I'm not just joking. You know, and, and, but I mean, man, like that's the thing. Like, I, you know what? One of the best moments of the year was just watching the. The Lions have any sort of success? Yeah, like, Dan Campbell, period. Yeah. Like, moment of the year, Dan Campbell. I'm telling you, Josh, our division is going to be one of the most competitive divisions next year in football. Yeah, except for the Bears don't have a quarterback. But. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that I feel like that kind of puts a little bit of a bow. Yep. Again, we could sit here and go for years about this NFL season. Yeah. Right? It was a great year. Yeah, fantastic. Lots of storylines. I think that we're going to have even more storylines this offseason. I mean, the question mark that is Tom Brady. The question mark that is Aaron Rodgers. The entire franchise of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Lots of question marks. Lots of money to be spent. Lots for you guys. Lots. Lots. Draft picks upon draft picks upon draft picks. However, we still have the single biggest sporting event in the world. Right. Every year. Left to go. So join us next week. We'll get our picks. We'll get our you know, your prop bet talk, your we'll we'll, we'll just we'll set the stage really nicely for you. Uh yeah. so from us here at LR Weekly, it's a bit of a bye week. Yeah, well you know what, Josh? We gotta get this this cut short because we gotta go to we gotta get we to have bed. to go to bed. We got a late night tomorrow. Yep, going Take, going a little, a little road trip down four twenty one, little Mackey Arena. Number one, number uh, one, unanimous, unanimous number, number one, one team in the country. Um, so from us here to you, enjoy the bye week. Take some time off on Sunday. Do not watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, don't do it. Okay, like Josh Allen. Choosing to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am instead of the Pro Bowl. That should tell you all you need to know about the Pro Bowl. We'll be back with our Super Bowl episode next week.